Hello, gorgeous people, and welcome to another TV Central one-on-one podcast. I'm Aaron Bryan. This is episode 65, 2023. Joining me now is a seasoned actor whose talent knows no bounds, a name that resonates with excellence in the Australian television and film landscape. He's graced both the big screen and small screens, capturing hearts with his remarkable performance and leaving an enduring mark on the world of entertainment. Known for his versatility, he embodies characters with both depth and authenticity. From sons and daughters to a country practice, the flying doctors and a place to call home, the feature film Archer with Nicole Kidman, and appearances in pretty much every well-known Australian production. I am talking about, of course, Australian screen royalty, Brett Climo. Brett joins me now here at TV Central. Brett, thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you so much. What a, what a, um, you've, you've made my day. What a lovely welcome. <laughs> thank you so much. It's very, very kind. No worries. Well, you, your career started with a country practice, but not in the way people know. We will get to that. But let me ask you, let's go right back about growing up because unfortunately tragedy struck pretty young for you. Um, hey, didn't it? Yeah. Well, I was, well, it did. I was, Obviously, I was I was three years old when my father um, died uh, water skiing. Uh, he suffered a stroke and on a family outing on a Sunday in the Hawkesbury River. And um, but obviously, I was three. So I don't quite register the tragedy of it. Um, however, my mum was a you know young woman in her early twenties and or mid twenties rather with uh, three children. I have two older sisters and and. She, um, yeah, she was she was left alone um, to 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 look after us, and um, uh, I suppose, and I was I was raised then by by three three lovely strong women, I suppose, um, and um, and so from a very young age, I um, I've always seen the world through almost the eyes of women, and. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I, I will always see a female's point of view, even though I'm a male. <laughs> um, I, no, but but I'll, I'll always see that point of view almost instantly or first, if you know what I mean. Um, which which is which is kind of weird, but it's often influenced, um, you know, choices I've made with 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 the acting um, or the roles that I've wanted to play or how I've wanted to play them. I love the language you use when talking about your mother. Actually, um, it, I've seen in previous interviews. I've I've seen quotes such as "wonderfully grounded, strong, decisive." I mean, as you said, growing up in the sixties and seventies, let's face it, it was a man's world. But your mum had a, had a strong ethic, but also a graceful femininity. Would, would, would that be a fair comment? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, a, 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 a extremely feminine, um, but also would would be able to tile the bathroom because mm. she, necessity she had to. Uh, you know, I remember, you know, putting together a dining room table out of nothing really because, you know, there wasn't a lot of money going around and she was working two jobs and and um, and uh, she was able to turn a hand to anything just to, to, to get to get through. But there was never, a, there was always grace. There was always determination, but, but with grace and... Um, uh um you know there was um there was a bad decision with a particular marriage um and and that gentleman 
was not a, a, a kind sort of man. So I also saw firsthand that type of male behaviour, which to this day I, um, I have no tolerance for. And once again, that's also informed um, how I, uh, you know, how I view things and and um, and the types of roles that I want to play and don't want to play. But I, um, you know, I in the early days of of, of 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 TV land, it was a fairly macho kind of environment, and, and I do remember not having a lot of tolerance for that either. Um, however, things have definitely changed, thankfully. Um, yeah, were you spoiled as a kid, being the only boy surrounded by your mum Nancy and your, and your oh, sisters? Definitely, <laughs> you know my sisters, my older sister Deanne and the younger one Annette. They're both older, and my mum. Yeah, I was. I, I have to admit, I was just spoiled, and and uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I was. I was. Um, what can I say? <laughs> yeah, I think to this day, probably as well. I think they they would they would say I got off. Um, you know, lightly with most things. Um, yeah, but it would look. Having said that, it was a it was a lovely childhood, and and um, and and there was freedom to explore all sorts of things. And certainly, um, when the school environment wasn't one that I was enjoying too much, my mother um, encouraged me. I don't quite know why. I think perhaps I was on the debating team, but we we are talking about. Engadine High School, which is in the southern suburbs of Sydney. So when I say debating team, don't think posh private school thing. This was this was fairly rough and tumble. <laughs> and, uh, but for whatever reason, I I, I was in that team, and, and Mum got wind of that, and and I don't know. I think we talked about journalism or something like this, or some kind of options, or and she enrolled me in a in a drama course called cornstalks at the opera house for some reason i don't know so i i front up to this drama course for kids on a saturday morning and and um and it was kind of fun but what i found more intriguing is they were using video cameras to tape performances and um and i kind of thought dramas you know i thought i would all be at you know on stage and whatever but this wasn't this was all about having fun with cameras and um and I quite enjoyed that aspect of it because I, I dislike being in front of people. And so I was petrified going to this class because I thought, oh, goodness, I'm going to have to get up and do things. But th- it wasn't like that at all. And one thing led to another. And, and uh, I, 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 I heard these other kids talking about, you know, doing auditions or casting calls for commercials and all that sort of stuff. And I thought, hey, you know, that sounds kind of interesting. So without my mother knowing, and I think I was in about, I don't know, Form 3 or something like this, Form 4 maybe. And uh, I I wagged a day off school. I just took a day off school. And these kids had given me some addresses and numbers of agents, kids' agents, and um, I called the, tr- the train into the city. And, I, yeah, I, I door knocked. Um, I think wow. I, had a, I, I had a photograph. And one very kind lady called Linda Keane who owned uh, a studio back then called Keane Kids, opened the door and said, yeah, okay, why don't you go and get some photographs done? So, you know, uh, got the photographs done, joined the agency. Mum was rather horrified that I'd taken the day off school, but um, uh, I think within a week I I got a casting for, a, I think, an ice cream commercial or something like that. And uh, and I remember, um, you know, my mother and my lovely stepfather, who's 
very much still with part of my life and he is um uh, he, he's a beautiful man um david drove me to you know lane cove to shoot this tv commercial and i think i was paid about i think it was 600 600 dollars or something like that which was a big deal back then um and uh and once again though it was this idea of being you know cameras and 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 how easy it was for me just to do it i i didn't think about it um and i thought it was fun and um that that then led to some extra work i remember being an extra on the restless years um and i was in a cafe scene with a cold cappuccino in front of me and i was watching peter phelps who is is who yeah. i who i i respect enormously by the way and and, and peter and i you know acquaintances of course but back then i remember watching him perform thinking Gee, that doesn't look that hard you know actually i'm sure that um and that was it really Aaron. i i think um i, I started getting more small pieces of work um and it was also a, it was an out for me for school because i i for whatever reason i i, I wasn't enjoying school I wasn't bad at it. In fact, I was okay at it, but I just didn't see the relevance, to be quite honest. And um, so once I found this thing called acting, um, which wasn't really acting back then, but one thing led to another. Uh, and I remember I managed to get a, a role in a short film called Times Are Changing, which was directed by a woman called Mitch Matthews, whose husband was the Kennedy and Kennedy Miller, um, the producers. Uh, he died in a helicopter accident and Mitch pursued her own career then as a director. And anyway, she cast me in this short film and had Max Cullen in it, Betty Cheel, um, and another, a, a couple of other quite talented people who rallied around to support Mitch because she was such a fine woman. And she wrote this gorgeous script too. It, it actually won a few awards. Um, I contacted somebody at the ABC uh, to for their suggestions about new management uh, because I thought that it was time to get a sort of a grown-up agent. And thanks to that short film, I had something to show. Uh, and a lady called Robin Gardner, um, back then it was Robin Gardner and Ross Spears, it was Gardner and Spears Agency, that's now RGM, that now handles the likes of Cape Blanchett. Uh, and I, she signed me on and I think we were one of 13 back then. And that's pretty much the start of that was the start of of my 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 journey, I suppose, as an actor in 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 this in this country. Yeah, you made a comment uh, there. Um, it was almost I, a throw, throwaway comment of um, it it wasn't really acting back then. What what, what do you mean by that? <clears throat> I I wasn't really thinking about what I was doing. Um, I was just feeling that was completely naturalistic and. Oh. Uh, really thinking too much about about um about it um so you 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 then reach a point though i suppose in you know with the movie times are changing when you're being directed um and you're being asked to interpret and uh and in your own way interpret means you make a decision how to play that that's when mm. it's coming acting that's when you start choosing and you start having some awareness of what you're portraying. And um, uh, I remember wanting to wanting to look back at, at, at the, the replaying of a, of, of a shot and I'd, I'd 
with with the camera people and the director, not so much to look at myself, but to see if what I was trying to achieve was working. And um, um, vanity completely aside, it was more about the pure, purely technical aspect of did that glance, did that look, did that... Um, I really wanted to know uh, how to use that camera and, and because it's such a powerful piece of... Um, it's powerful because it gets so close that you you from a very young age I, I kind of like this idea of not doing that much um, and seeing how how not powerful well I guess how just how you know if that can be just as powerful as not as doing a lot mm. does that make that make sense absolutely um, did, did your mum Nancy ever try to coax you out of acting um, as they would say back then to get a real job or, or were you in, you and your sisters always supported in anything was, you wanted to do? Yeah, this gets back to the, in fact, the question you asked what five minutes ago, which was about the, the support and, and, and the freedom I had during, um, you could say a turbulent times, a, a turbulent time, uh, but there was always support to, 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 um, freedom to to try things i suppose but when i found this i think my i think my mum realized that i was fairly serious about it and uh and i was very committed to it um i uh and then when, when obviously when 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 i started working more um and certainly when the sons and daughters script started to arrive uh you know at home you know via you know the mail and and here are these scripts, pile of scripts that, that and a contract for three months, whatever it was. I think then they all knew it was it was pretty serious for me, mm-hmm. and certainly I'd, I'd I'd left school by then. So, um, uh, so you know, uh, you know, every day I, you know, I, I think I was I, I'd learned to drive by then, but I think I was borrowing my mum's car, you know, to drive to the studios at Epping and um, to film Sons and Daughters, and and uh, so there you are. There's support once again, you know. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting story. I, I hadn't thought about this this for, for so long until uh, you know we we'd arranged to talk, Aaron, and you just start reminiscing and thinking about all these things, and and the and the pieces start getting put in place. Really, um, yeah. Perhaps I, I, perhaps I wasn't quite as grateful as I should have been for all the support. By the way. Mm. Mm. That's with both kids. <laughs> what what was the uh, first? I guess, production or performance you did where the feedback was so positive that you thought, hmm, I, I might have a chance at this. Um, oh, look, I suppose it was it was probably something like um, Sons and Daughters. I, I um, uh, you know, because uh, it was a three-month contract and I think the character kind of, kind of worked quite well. Funny, funnily enough, I was playing the son of quite a, a brutal man, um, a lovely, a lovely man, a lovely actor, by the way, called Paul Sonkiller, a New Zealand actor, a fine actor who came across to play this role, and he was quite—he was a, a, an abusive father, um, and uh, and I, I, I do remember at the time thinking, having experienced something a little similar, um, this is kind of weird. Um, which perhaps made the um, the acting not quite so hard, um, but I think the look. I think I the, the character worked. I think the character became quite popular, 
Um, and then when I had decided, my agent, um, Robin, then decided it was maybe time to move on to other things, I do know they wanted me to stay and they offered me um, uh, another contract. And we, we said no. And then um, I do remember a week later when I was helping my uncle on a, on a building site carting rubbish, I rang my agent and I said, look, I really don't know if I made the right decision. <laughs> can, we, can we call them back? And, and she said, what, are you serious? You don't do that. No, that, that, that is not this world. We've passed on that. We're moving on. We certainly can't go back. And that was a great lesson for me. <laughs> I, I believe your first major credited role was uh, in a country practice, but it wasn't in a role that made you a household name. You appeared in the show in 1982 in a, a two-part episode, a full five years before you would play Correct. Michael. How, how did that come about? How, how did you land that guest role? That that came about because I did some extra work um, in, in, in a country practice, um, I'm, I do apologise. I'm reason cloudy of the dates, and I you can ask me now. Um, we had we just had a wedding anniversary this week, um, 27 years on um, Friday, and my sister called me to to remind me, and and I had to say how many years. So I have no idea of time. Uh, so when we talk about these these times, yeah, you're right. I I I ex I did some extra work in in a country practice. And a really fine director who became the producer was a man called Bruce Best. And he saw on that day of me playing an extra that I was really willing and open to be, you know, to do more. And uh, so they needed somebody in, in a, a bus scene. It was, a, it was an episode about Shane Portis's daughter and she was on a bus having troubles or whatever. So there was a bus full of kids. And he saw something in me. So I became that day a bit of what they call a, a featured extra, mm. um, which is a bit more money. It means that your face gets on camera. And I think I said a couple of words. And he remembered me from that episode and uh, as being an extra. And then when it came time for a casting for, an, for, a, for a guest over the, the two uh, episodes that you were talking about, um, he, he, he cast me to play that role. Um, and that was, I, I suppose you're right. That was the first time. That was the first time I got a credit. Um, and it was, um, once again, it was, a, that was a great experience. And I felt as though I was on my way as well. Yeah. I actually, you know, in those days with those long episodic, um, dramas, you'd often, for me anyway, I, I actually featured twice in a country practice before I, uh, I landed the role as Michael Langley. Um, there was another one on horseback. I remember I was a young guy injured on a horse and uh, got brought into the hospital. And I don't quite know what that storyline was, but I do remember there were the first one was about teenage pregnancy. That was the uh, the double episode, and uh, the second one was um, yeah something to do with a horse. That that well, actually was going to be my my next question because if it wasn't strange enough, obviously. Uh not playing Michael in a country practice beforehand. You did come back for that, that two-parter in 1984 as a, yeah, another character. I'm just trying to imagine the conversation like, Brett, you, you were great two years ago in that guest role and uh, we, we've since seen you on Sons and Daughters. We, we don't want to quite give you a full-time role yet, but can you come back for a second time and play a different <laughs> character? Was it something like that? Uh, it was in those days. It was it was it was going from one thing to another. You didn't quite think about it. In fact, I certainly never thought I'd be 
I'd, I'd be, you know, cast as one of the leads in the country practice. I didn't, I didn't think I was doing any sort of apprenticeship. No, I didn't. I, uh, goodness me, that would have been quite, um, um, uh, yeah, that would have been quite interesting. But no, I, I wasn't even thinking that far ahead, to be honest. Although I would always look around, um, you know, at the at the regular actors and and really see their comfortability and their ownership of 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 the studio and the confidence that they had because as an as a guest i call it one of the hardest jobs in television because you you are literally um arriving on set onto a into a very very well oiled machine and you have to hop in there and you have to you have to be part of that machine you have to pretend at least that it's seamless that you are one of that part of that and and it's a very very difficult thing to do because not only have you got the acting in your mind and the lines in your mind you also need to appear on screen as though you are united and very much part of this ensemble and i i i'd remember as that as the young guy back then looking at the team and thinking there was probably a thought like i'd love to be part of that i'd love to arrive every day and have the confidence, uh, the knowing, the security, I suppose, as well. So there, there were probably times when I thought, wouldn't that be fun? Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, once again, thanks to – sorry, Aaron, I, I'm, I'm about to lead on then. Is, is it, I'll go back to you. What would you like? <laughs> sorry. No, no, no. It's your podcast. What were you going to mention? Well, I was going to then say that, that – and once again – there was a there were a lot in between. There was a miniseries Vietnam that we did. There was there was Archer. There was um, Chase Through the Night. Another thing with Nicole Kidman. Um, so there were lots of stuff going on, really. Um, and around the Archer time, I I met my current person, Michelle, and uh, my my wife, and um, we started living together. And I was off doing various acting jobs and here and there. And um, Bruce Best, the gentleman that directed those earlier episodes of, of A Country Practice where I was the guest, he um, he was now producing A Country Practice. And uh, they wanted to, um, yeah, they wanted to, to cast this role of Michael Langley. And um, so Bruce, I, I, I believe I put down an audition but I'm under the impression that he pretty much knew that he wanted me to play it. I don't know why I felt very confident that there wasn't too many other candidates. And at the time I mentioned having met Michelle because the idea of security and, um, and wanting to provide even at that early age was quite interesting. I thought it was a perfect opportunity to, um, to kind of, not help my relationship, but really provide something for her and us and also, you know, move ahead with my career. At the time, I was in the group of fairly, I wouldn't say serious, but not really alternative either, but but young actors that were very much about theatre and very much about film and very much about alternative drama. And uh, the idea of doing commercial television in, within my group was something quite 
it was not the thing to do, believe it or not. And I remember making that decision thinking I, I'm, I'm, choosing, I'm choosing a different way uh, and, um, and, and knowing I was moving then into a different, into a different world really. Uh, and uh, but a world that I but I really welcomed and and when I was cast in the role I was I was one of the I was the happiest guy um, and um, yeah it was it was a, a major for all sorts of reasons it was a really major time for me a real turning point in fact. Mm. Mm. When you came onto the show, um, you were the, the show was uh, certainly at its peak. You were coming in after Molly had died in the show. Um, Tell me about your memories on set. I mean, it's a massive cast. Was it was it a big family, or did the core team kind of separate themselves from the revolving cast? What what was the feel like on set? Oh, it was it was incredibly welcoming. Um, I think they, in fact, they remembered me from the past couple of roles. So, <laughs> really? yeah, yes, yeah, so that was that was nice, and and um, because. I need to say that those those smaller roles that I was playing, I was watching everything, and I was very much the person to listen and to to ask questions. Um, I never took anything for granted. So there were probably some serious conversations, if they could be bothered, um, without being too ingratiating. But but I, I think I probably had some conversations with some of the cast members about about acting and about because I was committed and I was very interested. And I, I just thought as long as you're on set, you can learn as long as you're not a pain in the neck. Um, mm-hmm. So I think probably when I arrived on set as a regular, I think there was probably an idea that, that I was pretty serious and I was there for the right reasons. And in fact, that show, all of the actors were there for the right reasons. Um, and when I say that, I mean, they were about their craft. They were about making the show work. Um, they worked incredibly hard, but it was fun. But I do remember it just being welcoming and, and it was a family. I know it's a cliche, but it was. There weren't any pockets here, pockets there. It was one one lovely group of actors um, playing and um, it was just fun, particularly that that nurse's set, you know, the, the hospital set. Mm. It, it, was, it was a lot of fun and... Um, and uh, you know, immediately I felt really comfortable to uh, start start really exploring the acting stuff and 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 improvising at certain moments if you were allowed. Everything was scripted, but once I was there for a little while, and once I knew the character um, a little more, I, I I really felt the freedom. To start, just just trying little, inventing a few things. I remember pouring over the script at night, just looking for moments to enhance Michael. Just to, you know, because I initially I wasn't quite, sh- I hadn't realised that I'd signed on to play such um, uh, goodness me, a free spirit, um, in a sense that he, he, you know, he arrived on a motorbike from Bribey Island. He would train nurse, but he he was he was all about the free spirit. He was a he was uh, what I'm trying to say is completely unlike myself. Mm. I had to try and work out how to play this um, extrovert, and um, and and because I'm not, and I found it quite worrying in the beginning. I, I really didn't think I could do it. I remember the first scene 
on my first day, I had to entertain a, a young girl, um, a, a young patient um, with a puppet show. And it was like, oh, my God, I haven't, I've never done this in my life. I've, you know, I, I, I don't know how to do this. You know, this isn't me. But somehow I managed to fake that and it worked. And, and so gradually I became more comfortable playing this kind of flat, no, this extrovert, this, this free spirit and humorous kind of guy and kind of in a way then started liking playing something that was reasonably different from myself. But then I was able to, to, to centre him and, 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 and I really, it was written for me as well, but there was a lovely sensitive quality to, to Michael, which, um, which I very much enjoyed playing. So, so we were able to find the balance of this, this at times um, free-spirited, doesn't think too much, doesn't plan too much, but we could earth him with with a real sense of um, sensitivity. Um, and it's funny, I've only just thought about this now because you don't think about it at the time. But they would have been thinking a long time, how do we, how, what, how can we look after the character of Joe Loveday, such a loved, respected, lovely young character how do we look after her when we introduce a romance for her who can that and i i didn't you don't think about the responsibility at the time because to be honest with you i hadn't watched the show um because of the age of 23 24 at 7 30 at night you're not around um meaning television yeah um, so it, the the that in, important decision of who to introduce hadn't really i hadn't thought about it until i was i was planning to chat with you and i it was just only yesterday, in fact, I thought, oh, okay, well, that, that was probably really, that they probably needed somebody that, that was a good match for her and that was sensitive and, and, and whatever to, to, to look after her in a way, to, to, what's the word, protect that character in the public's eye, for the public, if you know what I mean. You know, the yeah. decisions that the producers really have to make when they're, they're pairing people up, or in the beginning, of course, you didn't know that Joe and Michael were going to get together. But but that was the lot that was always going to happen, and that's the long term plan. And um, so um, yeah, so that and 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 it was a joy working with Joe. I've got to say, um, for such um, uh, when I use the word petite, I mean it physically. She's such a petite girl and to look at photographs and whatever and then to arrive on set um with her professionalism was something that struck me um you know she was playing a, a i wouldn't say naive character but a fairly um let's just say that um her professionalism and and her acting technique she knew exactly what she was doing and i had so much respect for that it was it was um I really enjoyed that that meeting that and, and and okay so you play you play this type of character but but this is very much a character and mm. and I thought that was wonderful. Having said that, Joe was absolutely adorable and and the most wonderful person to work with and kind and um, but she was certainly playing a character um, and and uh, I, yeah as I say I, I respected that. Well, I certainly have to talk about obviously uh, Joe Mitchell, um, who played Joe Loveday. Um, so Australia fell in love with Michael and Joe as uh, as they fell in love with each other. So tell me about working with Joe. I mean, you, you you have mentioned a lot there, but just in terms of 
there would have been a lot of media and stuff coming out. I mean, did you sort of just kind of stick together and work together um, through obviously through scenes, but through through media, through fans and all, all that kind of stuff? Because it would have been new to both of you. Uh, Joe was fairly seasoned at it. She she was, uh, you know, I think her her popularity on the show was was on the rise certainly well before I I mm. I was. Uh, so in fact, I I would look to how she would often handle these things. Um, the older cast members didn't quite have the same. Um, uh, well, what's the word? Um, you know, publicists use use cast members in a different way and and they use the older cast members in a different way so they use the younger ones uh so there was a lot there was lots of weekend press stuff um there was going to various um fairs and and um yeah so i i suppose the and kate we, we've got to you know kate razon was part of that team as well and john tarrant but later became part of that team but certainly joe and i were, were at the forefront of a lot of the media and um yeah we were in, in it together but once again, it was always done with such professionalism. We really saw it as being part of the job. It wasn't party time. It wasn't always oh, in this fun having you know a thousand people sign you know to sign autographs. It was never that. It was it was always this is part of the job, um, and uh, it was never about popularity anyway. It was I learned very quickly, and I had no idea of publicity myself. I, I the, the, the stuff I'd done, I was never really the lead anyway, so I didn't have to worry about replying to for, to lovely people's letters and whatever. Um, and and then you're actually schooled in it. You you know you have a publicist, and this is your obligations, and you're part of this now. And um, uh, and I suppose because that came as, as a surprise to me because I had no idea how popular the show was. Um, it, it, it was a, it was a welcome surprise in a way, but it meant that I was, as I said before, I was there for all the right reasons. I was there for my acting. I, I was there to learn more. Um, the fact that it was a very popular show, I, I, I welcomed that. And I certainly, I love people coming up telling me how much they enjoyed the show. Um, I, I never have a problem with that. Um, but it was very much part of the job, the publicity. And and also because we had um very solid relationships, it was it was work for us too. So Joe and I we would we rare well we didn't socialize, but that had nothing to do with not wanting to. It was simply that we had our own lives. So whether it was a press junket to Brisbane, um often Michelle would come with me, Chris would come with her and, and we may share a dinner, but um usually it was knockoff time we'd go home. Um, and uh, and even you know traveling interstate to do telethons uh, um, as we used to do back then, um, it was very much about okay, what time are we you know we're leaving at this time, we're arriving this time, that's all we're doing, then we're out, whatever. Um, it was it was all very um, professional, is what I'm getting at, and uh, yeah, and and I think that made our relationship on screen even better because you know we'd arrive on set fresh and and um uh with ideas and and um uh yeah yeah um i think it sometimes sometimes helps to for me anyway i've never been the one to to socialize after work um i've always kept work it's probably my upbringing as well and and the way that i entered the industry i entered the industry it was a job 
and I wasn't there for the people. I wasn't there for the party. I was there to work, and that's always been my ethic. So when the work stops, I go home. Mm. Uh, uh, and, and to this day, that's, that's how I operate. Um, and back then, Joe did as well, and, and we got along really well because of that. You were in 121 episodes of A Country Practice. Now, that sounds like a lot, but I had a look, and that ranks, you, ranks you like number 30 um, in, in terms of episodes appeared in. Nowhere near the 900-plus episodes for, like, Shane Porteous and Brian Wenzel. Uh, respect to those actors and people like Ray Maher on Home and Away. But can you even imagine doing something like that? I mean, I haven't counted the number of roles that you've been in, but it is well over 50 do do you, do you like that different character, different set, different challenge, different uh, people kind of thing? You know, when you're younger, I think I think so. I mean, that was the, my primary reason for leaving a country practice. Uh, that's another story, quite a funny one. But we'll get maybe we'll move on to that later. But the older you become, I, you know, I look at Ray and I think Ray Mar, and I can understand why he's doing that. Um, He's at a time in his life where, uh, you know, that travelling around and, and um, you know, to, to, to rock up to work every day or two or three days a week and know the, know the scene so well. Um, yeah, I, I could I do that? I, I mean, I'm, I'm really not sure at the moment. Oh, really, I'm not sure at the moment, but I do understand it. When you're younger, you want to try different things and you do want to move around. And I certainly felt that I didn't want to stay too long um, in any one role. Um, but the the reason I um, – I hope you don't mind. I, I'll, I will tell the story because it's quite an odd one, but it's true. Oh, cool. uh, I was on a country practice and uh, we went down to – we came down to Melbourne for the Logie Awards and it was towards the end of the night and there may or may not have been a few glasses of wine <laughs> and a lovely woman called Lynn Bionis came up to me and said, look, I'm producing the Flying Doctors now. Um, we'd love to have you. And I said, I beg your pardon. She said, oh, yeah, I, you know, you, you know, your country practice is all well and good, but, you know, we're rebooting the flying doctors and, you know, we're shooting on film and, and it would be a different experience for you. And, and I have to say that prior to this, I'd worked in Melbourne a few times and I'd always, I'd fallen in love with the city. And I, I remember thinking to myself, if ever I had a chance to, to, to work in Melbourne for a longer period of time, gosh, wouldn't that be fun? So that was a Sunday night. And I remember flying back to Sydney on Monday and I called my agent. I said, look, I had a weird experience last night. Is there a producer called Lynn Bionis? She said, yes, she's producing The Flying Doctors. I said, it was late in the night, but she kind of, she said that they might want to, you know, there might be a role for me in that show. And she said, what? You know, well, one thing led to another and phone calls were made. And sure enough, there was an offer to go and do the show. And, um, and uh, yeah, so that was, that was the only reason I left a country practice because I thought, Getting back to our earlier conversation, you know, the field is greener and it's uh, um, it's going to it's a new experience, and I'll be working on film as opposed to videotape, country practice and videotape in studio. This was, you know, location work, one camera. I'd learned a lot more. I'd always wanted to be doing more film. Um, you show you know, reboot Melbourne, 
So it sort of ticked a lot of the boxes, really, and that was the reason. Um, and um, I, I do remember James Gavin, who produced a country practice at the time, calling my agent and saying, what the hell is he doing? I mean, you know, you know, I, I believe at the time Joe Joe wanted to leave a country practice, um, so she was out anyway, but they wanted me to stay. Uh, and uh, he tried to convince us to, to, you know, to stay with the show. But I just had this thing, this bee in my bonnet about Melbourne and a new experience and I don't know. And to this day, Aaron, you know, you have those moments. I have moments where I think, what if I'd stayed? Um, because as we all know, the Flying Doctors didn't turn out to be the reboot they wanted it to be. Um, it kind of struggled really, um, as reboots tend to. But I didn't have that knowledge at the time, of course. So I, I do often, and I often will say to Michelle at times, what if we, you know, what if we'd stayed in Sydney and what if I'd stayed with a country practice? And um, But then the answer to that is, well, I've got a lovely life in Melbourne. We had wonderful friendships in Melbourne and um, it's been a great, you know, 25 years, 30 years, whatever it's been. So that's the answer. But um, there's always the what ifs in life for everyone. <laughs> But I guess also for the fans, if you if you look back, I mean, it was from memory. You two riding off in the sunset together. It would have been interesting if one had sta- one had stayed, and I don't know, divorce. <laughs> I don't know what they do. Well, I don't know what. Perhaps they maybe Joe. Well, they they she may have died. I don't know. Divorce. You're right. That wouldn't have gone down well. No. Um, but I so- do remember that final day of filming the wedding, and it was such a. You know, they're always so protracted because you know there's so many people and you've the cover you know you got to film everybody and there's reverses that but the day just went on but it was a great day though in retrospect i mean we had a lot of fun knowing it was the our last scene and and it was you know it was quite a little bit emotional i think and um but you know i do remember when when it finished um that friday i came home and i think we went out to dinner and and that was that. I woke up on Saturday and that was over and I was moving on to something else. Um, mm. and it, was, it, was a, it was as clean cut as that. It's probably only in hindsight that I, that I miss it, if you know what I mean, because yeah. if I, that I was having a ball doing the show and getting back to that earlier conversation we had about the comfortability and when I was the young actor looking at the people on set being so comfortable and controlling the environment, I had achieved that and... I I suppose it empowered me to go off down to Melbourne and and pursue the the new role with a lot of confidence, um, and knowing that 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 a team wanted me me you know there wasn't anybody else for the role they wanted me and that that was quite empowering and in a good way it 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 um so if you look at the experience of a country practice it probably it it. it um, immeasurable, really, what it gave me in terms of confidence, in terms of experience, knowledge of the camera. Because in those days, Aaron, you had three cameras on the studio floor, and there would be playbacks. So you'd play back. You'd they'd play back on to, to the to the cast and to the technicians on set what you just shot. And I used to love that because once again, you could see what 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 you were trying to achieve. Did it work? Didn't it work? Mm-hmm. Um, and and it was uh, I learned so much in that process, and to this day, um, I'll often have directors say to me, um, "Actually, no, I don't think I don't think we got that." And I said, "We have got it." Uh, you know, when you when you 
trust me, it's there. It, mm. you, uh, you, you will see what I'm doing. It's going to be okay. But in those days, it was immediate. You could see it immediate. But, of course, now they don't do playbacks anymore. But it gave you the confidence to know the muscles that you had um, and the technique to convey and to achieve what the writers wanted. Um, and you could see it for yourself, uh, whereas now, you know, there's a, there's a time lapse, of course, except when you're on a film set and you can actually, there are playbacks. But, um, no, it was, a, it, was a, it was a wonderful experience for so many reasons. Quite often when someone makes it like a big time in a show like a country practice, it often defines them and work can actually dry up despite their popularity or their typecast. You obviously went on to main or recurring roles in Flying Doctors, Blue Healers, Stingers, All Saints, and then, of course, returning to the league in A Place to Call Home. What do you you think was the key to, to the longevity success? Um... Oh, you know, that's a that's a really good question. Maybe because I didn't hang around um, too long. Look, I'll, I'll give you a story though. Um, I, I, my contract in the Flying Doctor. I don't know if I ever. My friends, my friends joke about this, but I don't think I've told anyone like you this before. <laughs> uh, my contract in the Flying Doctors wasn't renewed. I, I just purchased a new property, our first property in Melbourne, and thinking that um, you know I was on for another three years. And I got the call, I think, literally the day we signed to buy the home, uh, rather this tiny flat in downtown Windsor, uh, and to say uh, my agent, Robin, rang to say um, they we're not going ahead. And I said, what? I said, no, 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 they've decided not to renew your contract. And I was devastated. I, um, yeah, I was, I was in a, I was in a, I was, I was, I can't describe my feelings. And basically you're given the sack. Um, and uh, I'd thought about it, and obviously we, mm. I had meetings with my agent, and and what I planned to do with that character, and I know this this is chatters about a country practice, but the reason I wanted to do the Flying Doctors is that I actually wanted to play a completely different type of man. I wanted to play an introvert. I wanted to play this doctor who I thought wouldn't it be interesting to make it difficult for the audience to like you. Um, and uh, I didn't quite realise that, in fact, they probably just wanted me to play Michael Langley again, and I didn't. I wanted to play someone far more serious and um, that was not that comfortable in, in his skin, possibly something closer to myself. Uh, and let's just say that I don't think it worked. Um, I, I quite enjoyed doing it, um, but I, I just I remember constantly being told to lighten up or... or um, you know, more energy, uh, and I, I didn't want to do that. Um, quite quite, quite interesting choice, really. But I, once again, it was about the acting. I just wanted to play someone. I wanted to play a different type of male on screen. I wanted to make it difficult. I wanted to go against what I was, what I found so easy to do. By the end of a country practice, I, I was just finding it very easy to play that. And I suppose I just wanted to give myself a... Um, you know, an obstacle perhaps or or make it more interesting for myself. Anyway, when, when I chatted to my agent about why and when she said, well, because, you know, you didn't smile enough. <laughs> she said, you've got a really nice smile, Brett. You didn't smile enough. She said, I know it's more, it's a lot more than that. And, and Robin's a very serious agent, don't get me wrong. But basically, 
And that was a lesson too. You know, you've got these attributes apparently. Um, you've got to use them once in a while. Otherwise, you know, you can have all the acting technique you want. But if people aren't responding to what you're doing, then so that was a learning lesson as well. Uh, but you're right. Things went on. I mean, I think I told, I think I did some interviews at the time saying that it was, I think they, how do you want to handle it? And I said, oh, well, you know, I'd quite like the idea that it was my decision to move on. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> uh, so, so, so therefore I think in TV week, it was Brett's decision to move on. And, uh, but that wasn't really the case. <laughs> oh. Well, of course there was uh, a place to call home. Um, now I'm not an actor. I didn't live that experience, but through my eyes, it feels yeah. like you struck gold, a beautiful setting, and then absolutely super talented and gorgeous, uh, Marta Dusseldorp, uh, Noni Hazelhurst. I love David Berry too, Aaron Pedersen. Well, yeah. was it as magic getting that role as it's going on in my mind? Yeah, it was. I, um, I got a call to say, They'd, they'd like to audition you for this new Channel Seven season or a series. And don't forget, I'd been out. I'd been out of this. I'd been out of um, the acting world for for a, well, in that kind of league for a while. I've done some ABC, some interesting ABC work. Um, um, I think we'd, we'd done an Underbelly, um, which was with Sean Seat, director. That was a, a wonderful experience. So I was I was actually doing quite interesting work. But nothing, nothing large, and certainly nothing that kept me busy. You know, there were a few mm. years where I was certainly doing, doing, doing other things, which is what I do now. Um, and I was, I was doing one of these other things when I got the call, and I said, "Look, you know, I." Uh, so they sent me the scripts, and I remember reading them, and I thought, "Oh my lord, this is, um, this is, this is beautiful. Mm. This is just the character." I understood the character. I, the world they were creating was an international world. It was a big world, Aaron. It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, um, what's the word? It, it. It wasn't small picture. It was big picture. We're talking about post-war. We're talking about a woman coming back from Europe. We're talking about talking about issues that we don't normally talk about in a local drama, and that was my fear. I thought, well, look, it reads beautifully, but this. This has to be somewhere else. This can't be Channel Seven because I don't think they don't do this. Mm. You know, this, this doesn't this doesn't say commercialism to me. This this is beautiful. This is kind of the closest one of the, often when you read a, t- a film, TV script, or particularly a television script, you don't see art. You don't really you don't correlate art with TV. This is one of those times where I on the page I saw the beauty, I saw the rhythm, I saw the visual, I, I saw it as a lovely piece of art and I really wanted to be part of it to the point where I said to my agent, I like this too much. I don't want to, if this is, if, if this is a cattle call, I don't want to be part of it. Um, I need to know that I have a shot. Otherwise I don't want to invest in this because I'm happy doing other things. That's what I'm like. If I'm not acting, I'm out of that world and I'm doing other things. Um, no, no, no. They do want to see you. So I, you know, went down to the, they went to Melbourne and I you know, went across town and put down the audition and whatever. I thought it was okay. And I think two months went by, nothing, nothing, not even nothing. So of course you, and I'd call and say, they said, no, sorry, we, you know, we, we think it's gone away. Okay. So I just move on. 
And then two and a half months later, another phone call. They'd like to fly you up to Sydney again to, to audition you again for a place to call home. So what the look? I auditioned three months ago. Nothing. I know, I know, but they've had a change of thought. They've had a change of thought, and they. I said once again, I need this is a serious investment for me. I, I, I'm, I'm not hopping on a plane. If no, 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 really, it's, 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 it's very close. It's very, very close. It's like it was the strangest experience, Aaron, because you know there's no interest at all, and then suddenly and. So of course that was that was the plane. Yeah, air, you know, you're spending time flying somewhere. You know it's serious. You know you're close to it. And once again, it just opens up all the possibilities of being part of this wonderful show after so many years of not doing anything. And what a lo- lovely place to land again and whatever. So we auditioned, and I auditioned with Marta and with David. The audition with Marta went very very well. I remember Chris Martin Jones, uh, Joe, as you know, Joe Mitchell's husband was in the room. And uh, we made him cry. Um, <laughs> uh, and then I, I remember doing, having a scene with David and, and, and he was remarkable. And uh, I, think, I think Chris cried again. Um, and I left having done the job and feeling pretty happy about it. But once again, you know, you hop on the plane and all you can think about is, wow, you know, I've invested again. And, and um you have to understand that if you're busy all the time, then then the knockbacks don't matter so much. But when you when you aren't that busy, um, they matter a lot. Um, anyway, a, a few days went by, no, probably longer than that. And I'd call, and you know that's that awful thing of, of when you're not part of the acting world, you don't have to make the phone calls to your agent saying any news. And it's it's any actor knows this, and 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 for the the listening. Our listening friends, it's, I know it's a cliche, but you actually do don't even say any news, and you try you try to say other words and rephrase it, but essentially you just want to know is there any news? Mm-hmm. And of course, no. We of course we're going to call you if there's news, but you can't help yourself sometimes. But I think on this occasion I did refrain, and a few weeks later, I was um, I was doing my other work, uh, and I got a call and I saw the number. I thought, oh my, oh no, you know, and. Uh, I remember, um, uh, yeah, I remember my agent, L just saying, you know, it's yours. And, um, yeah, I get emotional about it because it was uh, a real um, moment when I when I got that. And, and um, it was a long time uh, for me not to be part of something and, and, um, and question, you start to question all sorts of things. And then to to be given this opportunity was was in something so special too, uh, was was remarkable. It was um, it was certainly a very happy household here when we when we got that news. Um, and uh, um, as I say, once again, the only fear was whether, in fact, um, you know, a local, you know, Channel Seven could could um, could um, fulfill the um the brief i suppose um and they did we arrived in sydney and we looked at the sets that they built the sets were extraordinary um the largest most glamorous sets i'd ever seen in my life and the amount of money they spent on them the amount of money they were pouring into the production the costume department the art department was was something else and i knew then that that they were serious about this show uh, and then, of course, you realise Noni's part of it, and and um, 
uh, Frankie's part of it, uh, Deborah's part of it, um, and the and the young you know David, Abby, um, Ariane, when such talented young people, they just assembled a truly remarkable cast. Uh, who once again, to, to use the, the phrase, they were there for the right reasons. Um, and we worked very, very hard um, and we knew the pressure, but it was fun at the same time. And I'd never been part of something new before. I'd never been part of a, um, um, a new drama. So to be to be part of something and, and to create something that I think was was a, a, a bit of a first, I think, for our for us in this country, uh, for commercial television, at least, uh, was something else. It was it was tremendous. Um, and Roger Hodgman uh, directed the first uh, the first episode, um, and uh, I'd worked with Roger a couple of times before. Um, and the opening couple of episodes were quite they were quite languid. They were they were romantic for Marta and George, and and there was a, a real kind of pace about them that was. That was slow and meandering and and um, large s in its in its in its in its um, cinematic form in a way. We thought we were making a feature film. Well, as it turned out, I think we'd been over time by about fifteen minutes. So we actually had to go back and reshoot it. And the direction was keep it quick, move it along. And that was yeah. interesting. What you've got on the page is something that reads like out of Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, don't don't forget this is commercial television, and we have ads, and and so that was an interesting moment for me. I thought, okay, we are producing this beautiful, this large, gorgeous thing, voluptuous and and textured, but once again, this is commercial television with ads in between. Uh, and I don't know if that resonates with you, but it, it it kind of brings you back down to earth a little bit. Mm. Um, and I suppose that leads us to. The next part of the story, which is after two seasons of extraordinary ratings in the first one, and maybe slightly dipping to about nine hundred, I think we were rating on a Sunday evening, and that was over a million in the first season. Uh, it would dip to around nine hundred in the second, and that was a good enough reason for them to cancel the show. Um, um, and uh, the idea being that it wasn't skewing to the demographic that. The network wanted and of course my question to that was well why produce a period drama post-war Australia dealing with all sorts of cultural issues um, and you're actually trying to appeal to you know a teenage audience um, <laughs> that was something that yeah so um, that was an incredible disappointment uh, and uh, a couple of times it was going to be resurrected um, and once again, we were all having private phone calls to each other saying, you know, this is going to happen. Should we do this? Can't we? Whatever. And then along comes Foxtel and um, and uh, to save the day. And um, a guy called Brian Walsh, who obviously is no longer with us, but what a beautiful man and, and what a great visionary all throughout his career. And he certainly had vision with a place to call home because the very audience that Channel 7 didn't want to attract was the very audience that Foxtel did want to attract. Um, shall we say a, a slightly more sophisticated? No, I shouldn't say that. I'm joking, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> a more um, uh, discerning, shall we say? Yeah, That's slightly older, whatever. 
um, good taste people. Um, and uh, yeah, so we were back on track again, which was which was terrific. Um, if there, please ask some questions in there because there's probably stuff you want to know. No, 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 they're all good. I just I found it interesting that you said when you originally got the script that oh, this is not a Channel Seven show. It seems like you were onto something because it didn't end yeah. up being a Channel Seven show after two seasons because of as you say demographics and stuff like that. It went on to to, to Foxtel. Um, I, I I am looking at the at, at the time with you and you and uh, very grateful to have a have a spend time with you. I I did want to pick up on something that you said earlier that um in between these these shows you you were doing other things and you enjoy doing those other things. What what are those other things? I play around with 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 um uh once again I've never really spoken about my other work, but um I I do some hard work I. I uh, staircases. I sand and and stain staircases. Um, I like wow. work. I like working with wood, and um, so uh, I yeah. I, I I work with a with a lovely guy, um, a mate of mine, a friend who has a lovely business, and um, and it's it's kind of very much a sideline, but it's under the radar, and I don't really have to deal with people. I just go about my work, and um, hence we couldn't catch up yesterday because I I had a a little bit of a disaster, but I managed to rectify that. Um, so that's <laughs> so I I have a completely different world. I love being physical, um, and I love um, working on my own. It's a, it's a world away from acting, and um, what it gives me it gives me freedom to not do the things that I don't want to do. And I've always said that after a place to call home, and even before then, people it was nice for someone to say, "Oh, we haven't seen you, we haven't seen you for a while." And 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 I like that idea rather than turning up, doing little bits and pieces where my heart's not really in it, just to be around or just because I need to. Um, so when I found this this little passionate gig on the side, which I quite enjoy doing, it just it gives me protection. And um, I don't want to hop into anything anymore, just anything, if you know what I mean. I, I'm waiting for a place to call home. Uh, and if that doesn't arrive, that's okay. I'm in the mix for something at the moment, um, a Tasmanian number, which which reads very interesting and, and they particularly would like to see me and probably a few other people too. And that's nice and it's it's small, but it's 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 quite it's 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 a nice little um package for me i think it's it fits i fit well into it fingers crossed um so i just want to be i i want to be discerning about what i turn up in mm. i know I, I i as i said when we were finishing a place to call home uh, which was the bevan's call to do that um well that's kind of you know it's also a very very expensive show to make let's face it um yeah very expensive i remember saying it's a bit like a piece of art wait what do you put next to that lovely piece of art i'm not talking about my work i'm actually talking about the show a place to call home what what you do next after that i think is for me anyway is just really important um what what you what you turn up in now that's because i have the luxury of of not having to to act to earn a living at the moment um, and that's why I very much like being able to have something else to do because it allows me to be discerning. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's important to me. 
While you're yeah. uh, in, in Tas- Tasmania having a bit of a look around, there's always Bay of Fires Season 2 with the gorgeous <laughs> Martin Dusseldorf. Yeah. You can pop uh, in there. They, they filmed yeah. down there. Uh, yeah. What a, congratulations, Marta. Um, what a – yeah, she's um, she's a fabulous person. She's uh, – she's what can I say? She's beautiful. She's um, stylish. She's talented. Um, I I do remember being on set with Marta and Noni and just feeling way out of my depth. And uh, I, 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 they, I had to lift my game. I, I really had to lift my game playing with those two and, and – that was probably a good thing, but um, but it was lovely watching them work. You know the nuance in their work and and the the articulation. And Marta is is possibly one of the most gifted screen actors I think I've ever had the the joy to watch. Um, what she can do in, in with very little in a close up is something else. Uh, she's 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 wonderful. And she's a she's also one of the funniest women I think I've ever met. She has an extraordinary sense of humor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, finally, um, as we wrap up, uh, you are heading, I believe, to a milestone birthday next year. Um, and these kind of times quite often are a time of reflection. When mm-hmm. when you look back, uh, what are you most proud of? And what uh, what would you have uh, liked to have done differently with that good old hindsight? Oh, um, what I'm most proud of is, uh, you know, that that kid from Loftus that just had a bit of a dream, and and I went for it. I I didn't let I didn't let anything get in my way, and I'm that that's in a nice way. I I, I just I didn't not believe. And when you talk about age, it's sometimes very difficult as we get older to find that self-belief. One would think that it becomes easier, but in fact, in my experience, it doesn't. I had such self-belief that that it I just I willed it to happen. I just I had visions and, and um I, I I didn't know where I wanted to be, but when it was when I was gaining some traction and when I was opening the doors and whatever, it was because I I I was making it happen. And um, I don't know, I, I suppose any regrets, it's not really a regret, but it's sometimes very difficult to, to tap that, that belief, that self-belief and that youthful passion um, that we had, or at least I had, where it was, you know, um, yeah, yeah, do you know what I'm saying? I think we, yeah. do, we question a bit more when we're older and possibly because we're, we're juggling more things and there are perhaps more things that can go wrong. Um, but I think that's what I'm most proud of. Um, and I also, uh, I think it's very important to just to be um, a good person to work with, I think, um, on a film set. I think you, uh, yeah, I think you just need to to listen and, um, yeah, and be respectful of people. Um, yeah, I think... Um, you've got me with that one (laughs) yeah if anything i suppose getting back to the roles that i wanted to play and the certain types of males that i wanted to portray uh, if i've I've been able to anchor them in any type of um um 
sensitivity and um, gentleness. Um, the amount of times I've had directors say to me, man up, or can we beef him up a bit? And, uh, and it happened to me on a place to call home on a couple of occasions. And I, I, was, I was incredibly offended by that. Um, and then I looked at the invariably male directors who were telling me to do that. Then my answer was there. Um, that's the men that they are. Uh, so I, if anything, if I can look through a thread of the role, you know, if there's a thread throughout what I've done, if I've been able to bring a slightly different type of male on our screen, then then I'd be I'd be proud to think I could have done that. Mm. Um, it's easier now, by the way, but um, perhaps, but but I always had that in my mind to to just try and I don't know, just try and colour it with something, you know, a little different, a little yeah. a little different, if that makes sense. I'm, you know, no, it does. Well, Brad, you are definitely in that group of truly Australian icons. Your roles um, have been unique and played with, I guess, that depth and precision that it's hard to imagine anyone else playing, you know, roles like George Bly. Um, you, you've built a legacy for the future stars coming through. And as you've got to work with uh, people like Lorraine Desmond and Noni Hazelhurst and Marta Dusseltop, others will now be able to have that privilege of saying that they got to work with Brett Climo. So that's awesome. I appreciate your time, your honesty, and um, and sharing your experiences. Um, thank you for joining me today. Aaron, thank you so much. It's It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. I do appreciate it. Thank you. No worries at all. Well, that was well-respected as season actor Brett Climo, a real privilege, class all the way. Well, that's it for this podcast. For all the latest news, streaming uh, information, ratings, TV guides and podcasts, head to tvcentral.com.au. But for now, I'm Aaron Ryan. Thanks to Brett Climo. Bye for now.